The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Wolf. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And thank you guys so much for joining us here on the AI Today podcast. Many of you have been listening to us now for almost four years and well over 180 some odd episodes. So we really thank you for joining us here on, on this journey as we've been exploring the use cases and all the ways in which AI has been making, well, quite a big transformative difference in the world. And if you're new to the AI Today podcast, first of all, welcome to this amazing community. We're one of the top three rated podcasts on AI and iTunes and Spotify and all these places. And as mentioned, you know, for over the past four years and almost 200 episodes, um, you know, we've been interviewing AI thought leaders and insights into the AI market trends and adoption in the public and private sectors and conversations on key topics focusing on what is happening with AI today and in the future. You know, as part of that, we've had some great interviews. So if you're new to the podcast, you should definitely go back and listen to our great library. We've interviewed Ben Gertzel of SingularityNet and Colin Angle, founder of iRobot. We've interviewed uh, the heads of data science at, you know, GlaxoSmithKline and all these other companies and, and banks and insurance and government agencies of all sorts, international in the United States. Uh, we've even interviewed the GSA administrator uh, just before she left, so it was kind of interesting. We we definitely talked to people uh, at sort of the the peak of their game, and as part of that, you know, we we really like to to spend our time with these experts and explaining key insights into AI and cognitive technology. Really looking at how AI is being put into practice today, and where it's heading. So, long story short, if you are new, please do make sure to subscribe to the AI Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider and listen to our hundreds of. Of episodes. Yes, and we're so excited to have with us today Sivan Metzger, who leads the MLOps business at Data Robot. So, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Data Robot. Uh, thanks. So, first of all, it's, it, today's an international podcast. I'm actually uh, speaking from uh, Israel. Um, so I'm Sivan, and uh, my my company, uh, which which uh, was acquired by Data Robot uh, about a year and a half ago, we were probably the first MLOps company uh, in the industry. As a matter of fact, we actually tra trademarked um, MLOps, which we still own uh, today. That trademark, even though of course we're not using it uh, or consuming it right now, um, just running with MLOps as a general. Um, industry factor. So what, what we've been doing since uh, joining Data Robot is essentially really building uh, an, a new business and growth engine for uh, Data Robot as pertains to um, running all machine learning uh, models that are written and created anywhere in any language uh, or being managed anywhere on any kind of platform. Uh, essentially, MLOps from Data Robot is really the, uh, the abstraction layer and the management layer to allow for managing any and all um, uh, models that are created or running, being run anywhere in one central location. This is um, essentially augmenting the core uh, business which DataRobot was created uh, and really built uh, the original category of automated machine learning, AutoML, um, since the 2012 when it was founded and until uh, today, it's really um, probably the driving force in the, in the AutoML, which is now a much more mature category, uh, lended the beautiful uh, connection 
in, and lead, leading into MLOps, kind of the next, essentially next step, if you think of building machine learning is one thing and running machine learning, uh, of course, is the kind of the, the next step to uh, realize uh, value for machine learning. And today, um, you know, MLOps is kind of the, the fastest growing, but second uh, second business inside of uh, data robot and, you know, into the future, who knows uh, where we'll be in. So kind of data robot has a um, history in acquiring uh, companies and growing the business. Uh, another company we a business we we were building a while back to augment autom- automated machine learning was a time series um, dimension, and also acquired another company in the data prep space. And uh, all these together are combined to the overall vision of Data Robot to become an enterprise AI uh, company, working with uh, customers all over the world about um, fulfilling enterprise AI and, and becoming the de facto uh, platform for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really one of the the notable things we've noticed in the industry. I mean, we we actually pr- produced this. We had a report out recently as part of our research service focusing on the machine learning platforms market. One of the things that we noted is that, you know, companies like Data Robot are continuing to expand, you know, the, their, the footprint of the things they do. And that was that was also something that was focused as part of our, our machine learning lifecycle conference, which we ran January 26th through 28th for all of our listeners who are listening here, 2021. One, and it's available for free. So if you, if, if our listeners would like to come and watch the content, you're certainly welcome to do so. If you go to mllifecycleconf.com, you can see I've quite actually quite a few sessions from Data Robot uh, that that's there on an on-demand basis. You can go and you can watch all these videos, and you can look at all these sessions about applying uh, well not just uh, ML ops but across the whole lifecycle of machine learning, and that's really. One of those notable things, you know, uh, Data Robot continues to expand. So maybe you can give us a little bit of insight here. You know, you know, how has the Data Robot product expanded over the past few years to grow and encompass a wider range of these machine learning lifecycle needs? Cool. Yeah, I think maybe I'll go beyond, you know, Data Robot. I think my observation of the industry, and I'm, I wonder what you think about it, but it's, it's we are collectively as an industry really progressing in this journey of machine learning, right? And of course, algorithms have been around for over 50 years, but in the last, let's call it, you know, decade or so, the uh, transformation and the uh, uh, triangulation between, you know, so much more compute power, so much more data available, and now applying that um, machine learning to that um, to become a trifecta that is bolstering the uh, industry forward is kind of the master situation we're in. Now, within that, everyone, every company, you know, organization is uh, kind of progressing uh, at their pace. But for the most part, I have to say in my over 20 years in software, this is the first industry I'm seeing that so many companies are actually progressing at almost the same pace. Like the, the you know, trends are coming in, things are changing very, very fast, but everyone's on the cutting edge. Like a lot of people are, you know, trying to be as close as they can to the cutting edge. And, and I'm seeing that, you know, the growth and the progression through this journey uh, almost homogeneously. And I'll give just two examples. So on one front, Data Robot that really built the AutoML category starting nine years ago and came out to the market about seven years ago, um, nobody knew what it was and, uh, and nobody really understood it. And you fast forward seven years, there's like so many AutoML companies and uh, capabilities out there or people that call themselves AutoML. And it's become uh, a very, very strong way to augment data science teams and make their work so much uh, faster and more effective and more efficient. Now, what actually happened when this became a prevailing category it kind of birthed the next problem, which is, okay, great. Now there's an abundance of models that are actually trained, prepared, they're ready to go. But the, the chasm between taking all those models that are ready across the industry, across the world, and actually making them effective in terms of contribution to the business at scale and, uh, and, and coming to coming kind of 
to that uh, value realization dimension has become like the at least the present frontier. And just, just I'm really, um, I've been so focused on MLOps for the last four years. And I got to tell you, four years ago, three years ago, even two years ago, even a year and a half ago, there weren't really that many people that were ready for it. So I, I was spending most of my time educating, you know, CTOs and forward lookers and thinkers, people who are looking to what's going to happen two years away. But as we turned into 2020, and definitely towards the middle of 2020, I st- we started to see the spike in uh, like a real ch- transformation in the demand. It, it stopped being education and it started being real, um, you know, strong pull in the market, like actual demand. And you could argue it's because of the, um, of the COVID situation, which actually accelerated uh, requirements to see value and to see things managed in a better scale. But regardless, it's also on the, on the same maturity curve. And it's, it's kind of cool to see how it suddenly turned a spike. And we saw a nice graph from uh, actually Google Trends on, on, on AdWords. And, uh, and you saw that the, the, term, the keyword MLOps was very flat up to you know, the middle of, um, of 2020. And then it started to spike in terms of search terms, volume uh, in Google. From the middle of 2020, it's just been going crazy. So, you know, it, it's nice to see all the industry maturing at the same pace and coming to this uh, point where, you know, uh, you, you ask about the evolution of data robot. I think it's the it's evolution of data robot is, is equivalent to the evolution of the industry. And we're fueling that, empowering it, I think, um, with that, that right now we're, we're, we're helping, let's say, you know, fuel the... Uh, the progression here by allowing actually people say, hey, there are actually technologies and solutions that are here to help you accelerate your situation across the um, your, the journey, across the maturity curve. Uh, it's not like it was, you know, years ago when there weren't solutions and every company had to go and figure out everything on their own. Uh, it's much more mature right now. And there's um, more and more solutions in the market that are coming in. Yeah, you know, we've we've noticed that as well. I think that more and more companies and individuals are starting to understand the importance of ML ops and, you know, think about everything that's involved with it. So, and again, I mean, that was one of the reasons why we ran the machine learning lifecycle conference, because we saw that, you know, they, people needed to have a place for lots of content to start understanding about the entire machine learning lifecycle, where auto ML fits into that, the idea of ML ops and everything involved with that as well. So, you know, following up on that a bit, what challenges do organizations face today when they're trying to bring these, you know, machine learning models into production? It's like the multi-billion dollar question, right? And, and many people might kind of turn to the technology and the pipelines and the automation, but I got to tell you, uh, I actually take a much more of a people approach to this. So a, small, a short story, which I think many could possibly relate to, uh, the reason I actually went and, and worked and did um, Parallel M and the MLOps notion actually came from a, a company I was in before. And for seven years, I was in that company. It was in the ad optimization space. And uh, we actually had it on staff, a bunch of data scientists. And um, we were trying really, really hard to create our offering to be based on machine learning. And uh, data scientists, they would sit, their office was right next to mine. And I would go by and say, hey, guys, wh- when is the service you promised? When is it ready? And they would go, oh, we finished our job. It's actually ready. And I'm like, oh, OK, great. So is it running? And then they would wash their hands and say, oh, that's not part of our job. We just had to create the algorithms and the models. That's it. And as a non-technical, you know, executive, I would say, hey, what do you mean it's not your job? Whose job is it? And they would say, oh, that's, we don't even know whose job it is. It's somebody else. And you go look for IT and operations. And they would say, 
oh, we're not going to touch their stuff with a stick. We don't know the quality. We're mission critical here. We don't know what machine learning is going to do. There's no way that thing is ever going to run in production. And, and it was just this, this chasm. between. Not, it's not even a technological chasm. It's, it's people, perception, uh, fear, of course, um, lack of understanding of, the, of your counterpart's considerations and what, what they're actually even doing, like who they are. Uh, and it's just, you know, there's a lot of, um, of concern there, of course, for people, for their jobs and for what they're doing. So the, the approach that, you know, we took is really look at this and say, hey, guys, data science, you're working really hard and you're really, you know, important to the organization. But until your work actually gets realized in terms of value for the company, you're essentially a cost center. Like your, your baggage you're carrying on, on the organization until it actually becomes valuable. and on the other side, IT, guys, you, you got to find a way to join this party of data because you're going to be left behind and the company's going to be left behind if you don't adopt this. And there has to be, and it, but it gets so heated, right? So uh, so heated, this um, this um, fear and concern and dissonance between the expectations and what can actually be delivered. That at least from for our perspective, we want to become that bridge uh, that helps people understand, hey, data scientists, this is your path to being... Uh, more successful by adopting MLOps capabilities in general. Notice I haven't talked said anything about technology yet, right? Um, and IT, this is maybe a way for you to be able to uh, join this um, this this whole world of data and data science with the ability to confidently be accountable for what you're actually delivering here, right? So getting these two organizations to speak and to show them that each one can feel comfortable in almost an orthogonal environment, right? Because data science care about their the models and the data that's been trained upon and the, you know, how, how to make it most efficient. However, production people think of completely different things, right? They have a cloud to transform to, they have Kubernetes, they have OpenShift, they have all kinds of LDAP and RBAX and whatever services that they need to make sure that everything's running with uh, and the CICD process altogether and Git, et cetera. So bringing those two worlds together um, on the people dimension, for starters, making everybody start feeling more comfortable with each other uh, to make sure that they can be successful and not impacted is kind of a, an angle that, that, that we take to show them that this is actually the path uh, to collaborate and then further down to uh, realize value from uh, machine learning. Yeah, I think that that's really key because you're right. I mean, we have a lot of different parts of the organization that may be speaking with each other in much greater frequency than they probably have before, especially it depends on your perspective on uh, kind of where all this AI machine learning, where the center of gravity is. You know, uh, people might think that it's an IT thing, but but for those who are have been implementing machine learning and data science, realize this really isn't. A lot of it has to do with dri- driven by the line of business. And if you're and if you think about uh, data, you know, data modeling, you know, data analytics, and just in general, you know, who is preparing models for the benefit of somebody in sales or for marketing, for product development or design or governance or so, you know any of these issues. And you know, those folks are not. They don't consider their roles as an IT role. They're, they they consider their roles to be part of the operation of the organization. So, so I think people, you know, if they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to build a model to do some sort of sales forecast, you don't think, oh wait, I'm building a model that will be used in an IT system. At some point now, it's interesting, the data science and uh, folks and IT operations have to talk to each other <laughs> directly. Uh, and they might not uh, right. have had to do that before, right? And it's almost an unnatural thing for them to do in general. So what we're seeing now is like this emergence of a maybe a new class of DevOps or maybe a new class of data engineer, right? In the middle, which is either an MLOps engineer or 
production ML engineer, or we were seeing uh, heads of model validation being tapped on their forehead to kind of come forth and find a solution for this. The, the way what this is kind of what I'm seeing, right? Is there is no way to mature way to do this, right? By definition, at this point in time, where we are, February 21. So, what ha- what usually happens when you need to figure out something in a company? You tap someone who's you know hungry or eager or you know up and coming and say, hey, can you go find a solution for this thing? And usually it's, you know, people that are somewhere in the middle of that. It's not only a data scientist or only an IT person. It's somebody that has some kind of a, you know, magnet pulling them towards the middle of that. These people are the, the VPs of MLOps of next year, right? And the, but they're, they're the ones that the project leads this year. And, uh, and we're, we're trying to identify them and find them because those are the people who care and who are accountable now for running machine learning production. And um, it's hard to find them sometimes, but because it's not like one title to chase. It's the people that in, in two years, their title is going to be easy to chase. But right now it isn't. But, um, but we, like these, they didn't exist two years ago, but now they're everywhere. So we're finding them. And these are the people we connect to. Hey, we ask who who's responsible for making sure machine learning actually goes into production and brings value. And usually they know it's, you know, this dude from the other department. We don't know what he's doing, but we know he's involved in this and he cares about it. And when we find him, it's, it's magic. It's just complete magic. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's great because because that at the end of the day we need these systems to provide real bu- real business value, you know, real value to the organization. So maybe you can provide some insights because we talked about around these things, but, but maybe it might be good for our listeners who 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 may, maybe they haven't dealt with these uh, issues in their particular organizations. So maybe you can explain, you know, what are some of the key machine learning governance and versioning and iteration considerations? That organization that you see organizations facing that maybe people don't realize that they will face when they're when they're putting these models into into production. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So I think let me let me frame this for a second. Um, in general, I, I I really talk about the problem much more than the solution itself. And I think the problem what needs to be relatively well defined, and we frame it into four components. So number one, you need to find make sure you have an automated way to deploy. How do you how do you deploy these models? And once you've deployed them. Next, you need to think of the fr- framework of how you are going to monitor these models. And monitoring them is not just like you know operations monitoring of a server. It's dedicated machine learning oriented uh, monitoring, which includes you know the performance of the of the uh, model, the uh, the situation with the data, the variance from the actual data between that and the data that it was trained upon. We actually also make sure that uh, fairness and bias monitoring is also. Uh, included in the ML-oriented monitoring. So monitoring that end-to-end really is important to understand where you're standing as pertains to these models. But once you have even that in place, next thing you need to think about, which most people overlook completely, is managing the life cycle of the model. So production model life cycle management. Think of it as, okay, great. An alert comes in, a a model is not performing well. What happens now? Who gets the alert? What's their action they can take? What's a corrective action they can uh, take? Who approves that corrective action uh, that they chose to take uh, and push something into production? If a new model gets retrained and comes back, what's the process of getting that in? So this and much more is everything that has to do with the the management of the life cycle of the model. And the nice thing about this third component is that data scientists aren't that familiar with this concept, but IT are very familiar with this concept. And and life cycle management is something that they do uh, every day, only this one is tailor-made for machine learning uh, models. So that's kind of a concept that's uh, relatively well accepted. And finally, uh, governance. Now, governance is a huge word, but in this context, production model governance, uh, which, you know, think of it as, you know, who 
which which version of which model ran two and a half weeks ago at 3 a.m. to support you know business service Y, right? Understanding the full lineage of every version of every model that supported everything, coupled by the understanding of who touched it, who made a change, who sent a retrain, was it in process, outside of process, automated, manual, et cetera. Having all that in complete uh, enclosed environment, either for compliance purposes or for process improvement, or maybe because people left the company and you want to know what actually happened you know, a couple of months ago, if it's critical for your uh, regulator or, or leadership or customers. So that, that think of it as deployment, monitoring, management, and governance. These four are the four key components of the problem you need to be considering as you embark on, a, uh, on an MLOps uh, strategy. And when they come together and work in harmony, uh, that's kind of where I think you can get the best value and lay the right foundation as you look into the future. I'll, I'll say this, why am I saying foundation? Because in most cases, we're seeing folks who have deployed one, two, five, sub 10 a number of models that they've already put in production. And I actually, we, we found, we find that folks who have tried and struggled to put a couple of models in production, they've hit so many walls by doing that, that they realize at that point, clearly, what's the value of a, of a platform, of a solution that can help them run that uh, end to end, as opposed to you know, hard coding it, writing it alone at home, which is super complex. And even if you do, tomorrow your leadership changes the cloud or works and there's a new data science team that works very differently. And then the whole thing is, uh, is difficult to do again. So, you know, this is, this is kind of um, our experience, at least. Hope that answers the question. Sure does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I know this has been um, a great podcast. I think the whole idea, topic, discussion around MLOps has been one that I know we've increasingly had, especially on our podcasts as well. So I always appreciate when we can get, you know, many guests on this subject and hopefully our listeners do as well. We like to ask this final question when we wrap up all podcasts because we get such diverse answers. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Uh, I think we, I think we, we as an industry have not, not even begun to scratch the surface in terms of the uh, advantages we can obtain from uh, applying AI, even from the most rudimentary things all the way to complete differentiating uh, factors. So, you know, we talked about that trifecta of compute powers, availability, and data abundance, and then multiple, coupling that with, uh, with the algorithms and actually generating uh, machine learning outcomes. But now that that is really proliferating, I think the big thing we'll see over the next three years is the next stage is actually starting to adopt this, starting to really use machine learning. And all of us are going to learn so much in the next endless years, but even in the next two or three years, when, you, when we really, for the first time, try to apply what has been, for the most part, a science project for the last, let's say, you know, nine or 10 years, um, starting to apply that will just open up a completely new horizon because many people sit and think about use cases, but they don't even know what, what would be uh, feasible even two years down the road. And once you start um, running these things and scaling them, I think then the, the gains will be so evident and clear that... Um, those who have begun will be probably doubling down on that and, and running away from the rest of the market. Just as you see, you know, Amazon and their business as an example has run completely run away from the market. A lot of that is because of using machine learning uh, very, very vastly across their business. We'll see that in much more uh, areas that we might not even expect it. Uh, and those who don't are probably going to have either a very hard time catching up uh, or just going to be completely 
changing of a world order uh, kind of scenario in many industries. So I'm really keen on seeing that transformation happen. It's going to be really interesting to see how early adopters, those who can uh, go through this chasm and, and succeed in scaling and w- what their world is going to be looking like. Um, so this is kind of the, let's say, the the global view of it. I still enjoy watching the uh, Boston Dynamic videos, even one that came out just yesterday, which is amazing again. And, you know, letting my uh, my your head go spin kind of wildly about those uh, applications that are possible and are not even around the corner. They're here. But for the most part, I think it's stuff that we can't really visualize. It's going to be new services emerging uh, kind of ways of of, uh, of, cons- of consuming services, delivering services um, to uh, customers or to markets that haven't been done before. And once it once it it, it hits, um, it kicks into gear and start hitting probably in about two years at, at bigger scale. We're just going to see an endless new frontier of opportunities opening up in front of us. That's that's what I'm what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think we think so too. That's why we're 180 plus episodes into this and we'll probably have another 180, 200 more to go. We could talk about this for a long time. Hey, you know, as you said, in one of your responses, you know, AI itself is decades old. It goes back to the very beginning, even before the beginnings of computing. People don't realize that a lot of the folks who came up with the fundamental ideas of computing itself, you know, whether it's Turing or whether it's Claude Shannon or whether it's a lot of those uh, originals, they were also the same people who came up with a lot of the original ideas of artificial intelligence. So it's not like computers first, then AI. No, it's like in many cases, it was actually AI first, then right. computers, right? Uh, and people were thinking, how do I make intelligent machines? Well, maybe I should invent a computer. You know? And I think the, yeah, yeah. the idea that a lot of these goes goes back uh, that far is pretty great. And it's funny you talk about Boston Dynamics. We talk about them all the time because we're like, you know, these, these videos of the machines dancing are, and things like that are great. But but the, the, the common joke in the industry is like, well, if they really want to be bold, let's see these robots do something useful. So, uh, <laughs> you know, doing something in a, re- in a real business, right? <laughs> it's true. But, you know, what I f- every, every time a, a movie like that comes out, I show it to my kids and we talk about it quite a lot because I can talk about ML services and optimization for fraud or whatever, for, but to them, and that's what I try to instill in them is like to see the, their imagination work and, and, you know, spot the dog and, you know, a jumping rope and stuff like that. That's really talking in their terms. And I'm just, it's just amazing to think what's going to happen with that generation, our kids. And when they, when they were see this at the age of seven, these robots jumping rope, where they're going to take it, you know, in their lifetime, it's just, not, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's great. You're right. I think it does serve to inspire. And and I think, you know, there's something to be said about inspiring people, especially the next generation of, of technologists and who are going to keep this thing moving. Because as I, as I said, you know, this AI thing is going to keep going for decades and decades. So we might as well, we might as well keep people inspired. So, Sivan, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really enjoyed having you as a guest. And we know that our listeners really got a lot uh, listening to your thoughts and insights here. Terrific. Thanks for having me. We'd be happy to come back uh, next time. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a few of the report links that Ron mentioned earlier in the podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. 
Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyrighted by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Bye.